So, Lord, we invite you to slow time down right now. I, b- I believe this is a holy morning. And, uh, God, you want to do amazing things uh, in our lives. You want to change us and help us have a, a more real and authentic connection with you. I pray this morning, uh, would you use these words and your word to open our eyes to that. Help us to live into that and press into that, I pray. I pray for Angel, that you would just give her great peace and joy, even as she shares right now, and real freedom. We dedicate these, this, this morning and these time to you. In, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. Um, I know we are continuing on the topic of ba- the baggage today. Um, last week, Devin talked about uh, the baggages that we carry, and he encouraged us to pray three prayers that we could pray. God, help me renew my mind. God, help restore what is lost. Lord, help me release my offender. Today I'm going to talk about uh, soul baggage. Um, Soul is the place where God speaks to us. We listen, uh, we commune, uh, we pray. That happens in our soul. And so sometimes we have baggage, religious baggage that we carry. Sometimes we know it, sometimes we don't. And um, I just want to talk about that this morning. What are some of the religious baggages that we carry? especially concerning God. Uh, The first one I thought of was the legalistic mindset. Um, If we do the right things, you know, do the holiness and keep all the rules, that's all God cares about. So if I do that, in the olden days, you know, if you don't drink, you don't uh, smoke, you don't dance, you don't play cards, you are okay, Uh, or don't gossip. Uh, that's what kind of the rules that people kept in their heads and uh, because that's what mattered to God, they thought. Uh, some of it has come from our parents. Uh, some of it has come from our, our friends, uh, the books that you have read. Uh, the other one uh, baggage that we carry is because of our past experience and wounds that we carry. We believe that God does not care Otherwise, this tragedy or that painful experience would not have happened. Uh, The other misconception we have about God is God is not love. If he was, there wouldn't be suffering or pain. Um, The other one some of us believe is God has favorites. He favors the strong, the powerful, the beautiful, the smart, the rich, Especially if you have experienced loneliness, poverty, marginalized, uh, load, uh, poor, then you think God does have favorites. Um, the other lie that we believe is that God is a mean taskmaster, waiting for me to make a mistake and then to strike me. Uh, the other one is... Uh, Even here, a lot of us believe, I have to earn God's love by doing good things. Uh, 
Somehow I had to pacify this God with my good behavior. The problem is, sometimes we don't know where we stand, whether the good has outweighed the bad, and so you're kind of always in this unknown. For some of us, our dreams were shattered, and you blame God for it, and you are angry with God. I'm going to pray very briefly right now uh, because I know we are running out of time here, but uh, because I know the Spirit of God is here. He's the Spirit of truth. That he would search your hearts and bring to mind what are some of the religious baggages that we carry. So, Father, I pray, even those of us who think we don't have any baggage, Father, open our eyes that we might know what are the baggage that we are carrying, Father, in our soul, especially concerning you. You are the revealer of truth. Reveal to us, we pray. In Jesus' name. I'm going to change gears, and I'm going to um, show you some logos. And I'm going to ask whether you would recognize them. The first one, do you know what that is? That's Nike, I know. Um, Nike is a Greek word. Uh, it means winged victory. Uh, the logo is a swish sign. And the brand they are trying to sell is success. The next one, you guys know. Uh, the logo is Apple, and the brand, what they are selling is Meeting of Intelligence and Technology. The next one. <laughs> you know, Caleb was, Caleb was, I think, I don't think he was even two. I don't think we even took him to McDonald's because I didn't think he could eat fries yet. And every time we passed by, he would point, point, and want to go in there. And I don't know how he got it. Um, the brand is happy or pleasure is what they are selling. Uh, next one. Logo is a three-point star inside a circle. Uh, it's engines dominion over sea, land, and sky. And their brand that they are selling is power. So if you look at a logo, it should immediately conjure up the company and the brand they are selling in you. Uh, companies spend millions and millions of dollars so that you recognize their logo and their brand. The invisible God also has a logo. When you see the logo, you will know who God is. So you ask, what is God really like? We look at Jesus. It says in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, he is the exact representation of God. It says Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of God's nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. It's interesting in, in uh, the Gospel of John, um, John, who's the intimate friend of Jesus, he describes Jesus as the Word. 
and the word in Greek is logos. He says, in the beginning was the word, logos, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. John doesn't mess around with words. He says, he is God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. Logos is the root word for logo. Jesus is God's logo. Jesus came, he came to die for us. I know that was his primary purpose. But his primary purpose of his life was to reveal the heart of his father. If you look at John, he talks about his father all the time. I see what my father does, and I do what my father does. He talks about his father all the time. So the rest of the time, um, what I'm going to do is, we are going to look at certain encounters Jesus had uh, through John and and Mark, and um, share what God is trying to reveal about himself. Now, what I say today is not going to be Uh, anything new. Uh, It's not going to be intellectually stimulating stuff. Uh, I know you could listen to iPodcasts for the next 24 hours and you could get lots of good stuff. But what I sense God wants to do this morning is for you to taste and see that God is good. Not know in your head, but know in your heart that he is good. So we are going to look at Jesus, uh, because last week Devin said what? Renew my mind with truth. That's some of the ways you let go of the religious baggages that we have. Uh, we are going to start with John chapter uh, 2. Uh, the story is Jesus is going to a wedding in Cana, and uh, the wine runs out. It's a big deal in those culture, cultures because the wedding went for a few days. And so it starts in verse 6. Now there were six stone jars uh, there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some water and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, he did not know where it had come from, though the servants who drew the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first. And when people have drunk freely, that means when they are drunk, they are poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory, and the disciples believed him. Few observations about the story. I want to look at verse 11 there. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory. First, of Jesus' sign to manifest his glory. You know what glory means? It's the true identity, God's glory. 
It's not called a miracle, if you notice. It's called a sign. A sign is a symbol or a logo that points to a greater or a larger reality, right? You know, when I showed you those signs, you immediately knew something bigger. Um, and when the company launches a new sign, they put enormous care into it. And here is Jesus, his first sign he's launching. I would have thought he would have chosen raising Lazarus from the dead. That's what I would have chosen. Uh, maybe feeding the 5,000 men plus women and children. No, uh, not a demon-possessed man releasing him from uh, its captivity. Or even need. You know, need, people who need a touch from God. That's not the first sign. The first sign is about wine running out on a wedding feast. Notice that he does not ask them to fill the uh, empty wine skins. You know, they were, the wine was in white, wine skins, right? They were in, not bottles, but wine skins. He didn't ask them to fill that. What did he choose? He chose the six stone white water jars that was there for the Jewish rites of purification. He turns the rites of purification into wine. What is he trying to do? He became the purification system and the sacrificial lamb. We don't need those systems anymore. That's what he was trying to say to us. Even later on in the same chapter, John 2, he says to the, the people, destroy the temple, which took them 48 years, 46 years. He says, and I will build it up in three days. What is he trying to say? You don't need the temple anymore. The temple was there for sacrifices so that you could receive forgiveness of sins. He's saying you don't need the temple anymore. You don't need the rites of purification anymore. It's funny, it says, it's not funny, but in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, it says, after making purification for the sins, Jesus sat down at the right hand of the Most High. He is our salvation. He is the way. What is religion? Do you know what religion is? Religion is man's efforts to reach God. And Jesus is saying to us, we don't need religion anymore. Because God has come down to reach us. He has turned our legalistic practices and rules to cleanse our guilt and sin into a relationship that will fill our hearts with joy. That's why he says in John chapter 7, he says, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. This is why Jesus came. The next encounter uh, I want to look at very quickly is Jesus and Nicodemus. Uh, Nicodemus was an insider. He did all the things right. He was an upstanding 
Pharisee, a Sanhedrin, which means he was a high court judge. He was admirable. He was open-minded. That's why he came to meet with Jesus. He was successful. He was disciplined. He was a moral, religious man. And he comes to meet Jesus at night without anyone knowing. And he comes to Jesus and says, I know you came from God. And Jesus, without any introduction, no sweet talk, nothing, he says to him, unless, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He's saying your religious ways are not going to take you to the kingdom of God. But you must be born again, born from above. You know, the baby has nothing to do with being born. Do you know that? The baby doesn't earn it. The baby doesn't contribute anything towards it. Those of you who are pregnant, you know that. They don't contribute anything towards it. The baby has no skillful planning to do, no timing, nothing. It's a free gift. And that's what Jesus is saying to us. You can't earn God's love by being religious or following the rules. God's love is freely, freely given. The next encounter is, uh, is John, uh, Jesus meeting with the woman at the well. Now the contrast is she's an outsider. She doesn't fit in um, into the religious group at all. She's a Samaritan. We don't even know her name. And she had a bad reputation. She had five husbands. And the person she's living with is not her husband. And Jesus comes to her. Uh, Jesus initiates the conversation with her. It's complete contrast to Nicodemus. And Jesus, uh, who's a clean rabbi, rabbis are not meant to talk to sinful women, especially alone. He initiates the conversation with her by asking, can I get some water to drink? He asks her what she can offer to offer her what she cannot get. He says to her, but whoever drinks the water that I will give uh, him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Do you know she's the first person Jesus ever proclaims that he's the Messiah outright? If you read the Gospels. He says that outright to her. And then Jesus sends this woman of ill reputation as a witness into the Samaritan village. He does that with Mary Magdalene, who was mentally unstable. She had seven demons, a confused woman, until he, she met Jesus and sends her. You know, in those days, women were not considered... Um, a good witness. So they couldn't witness in any court case because they were not credible. He uses Mary Magdalene. She's the first one to see Jesus the, after the resurrection. And he 
sends her as a witness to the disciples and say, go and tell the disciples that I'm alive. When he could have chosen the religious men who were more credible in that culture, uh, the woman who committed adultery, uh, who the religious leaders wanted to stone, Jesus sits quietly and uh, waits and some of you who are fathers here would know um, if your child, if your son or daughter was caught into drugs or alcohol or prostitution, what would you give to save your son or daughter? You would give anything you've got, right? This is the heart of God when he interacts this, with these women and men. It's the heart of a father who wants to rescue, not to condemn. He wants to save them. The last one is, is the encounter Jesus has with the leper uh, due to time restriction here. It says in Mark chapter 1, verse 40 to 42, And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with compassion, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. Again, this man was an outcast of the community. He didn't live with his family. He lived in the leper colony. He was an outsider emotionally, relationally, spiritually, because people thought he sinned. That's why he had leprosy. And uh, he couldn't. He could not even attend the temple to offer sacrifices to receive forgiveness. And it's interesting, Jesus goes and touches this man. Did you know he touched him before he healed him? This man hasn't been touched for years. He does not clean him up and then touch him. He touches him embraces him, and then heals him. You know, sometimes I hear uh, from many people who say, you know, I don't want to come to church when I'm struggling or when I'm struggling with sin or some issues or a problem or when I'm struggling with grief uh, or I'm dealing with doubts. I don't want to come. It's almost they want to get their act together and clean up and then come to church. Do you know we have a sin problem in the church? Do you know the people here? Maybe turn and look around the person next to you on the right and to your left. <laughs> they have a sin problem. They may look like they are put well together, they may look like they have it all together, but they don't. We all have issues. We are broken people until we get to heaven. We are going to have relational issues or emotional issues or some issues, sin issues. Um, I remember once um, when... Uh, my boys were much younger. Uh, Dervin used to come to church early, and I would 
feed the kids, get them ready, and then I would come. And usually it was a chaotic morning. Those of you who are mothers, you know, when your boys are young, it's chaotic, right? You have five minutes to get dressed and, and uh, get them all ready. And usually the time I got dressed, the five minutes, chaos things would happen. It just, everything unraveled. And this particular morning, it just went all out. And I was just upset. I was beyond control. I was screaming at the kids and uh, finally got them all ready after all the chaos. And I got into the car and I felt this small. And I said, Lord, why am I even coming to church? I am so unworthy. I have lost it completely. I'm like the wicked witch from the north. And now I'm going to go and sit and I'm going to worship. And there was part of me that wanted to turn my car around and go home. And uh, I sat there and as I was worshiping, I felt the Lord embrace me, hold me and love me like I've never felt. I was just tears pouring down, and I thought, wow. And I felt the Lord say to me, Angel, your sins don't make me unclean, but my love and my holiness makes you clean and holy. The picture that he gave me was of Caleb. When Caleb was little, you know, he would run into all the mess and poop all over, or he had caught the frog, and, or he would think uh, he's doing boats in the bathtub with his poop, and, you know, all these things. And uh, you would think that I would say, ooh, gross, don't touch me, but I don't. You know why? I am a mother who loves my son. I embrace him. I touch him, even though one day he was holding a huge frog. <laughs> and love him. And clean him up. And put powder on him. And he smells good. <laughs> that is what the father does with you. That is the heart of the Father. That's why we need a Savior, because we can't clean ourselves up. I wish we could, but we can't. I want to encourage you, when you feel down and out and not feeling the greatest, this is the greatest place to be. I remember... Um, you know, some people say, oh, I don't want to come to church because all I do is cry during the worship. I remember when I started, I decided to follow Jesus. It was in university. I would go to church, and my non-Christian friend was the one who would drive me. And I don't know why, but she drove me, and I went to church. And I would sit at the back, and I would cry during the worship time, just tears pouring down. And I remember one day my friend, uh, who's a non-Christian, got the guts to tell me. She said, Angel, if going to church is making you so sad, why go? We can go somewhere else. 
what she didn't know was God was releasing all these baggage I was carrying. He was healing me in ways beyond my understanding. He was healing me of things. I came from a chaotic family. He was healing the inner little angel inside me who was crying out. And you know what? I sit here on Sunday mornings and he's still healing me. Because you know why? I'm still broken. I live in a broken world. People still hurt me, wound me, betray me, disappoint me. And you know, sometimes I hurt people and wound people and disappoint people. But you know what? My sin nature does not change Jesus. His love and his kindness, it changes me. This is the God we have. I wish I had time to talk to you about Jesus' encounter with Martha and Mary at their brother's funeral. You know, God's encounter with them to say, sometimes the answer is no because there is a greater yes to come in your lives. And sometimes he does that. Doesn't mean he doesn't love you. Because he has something bigger and better. I want to conclude with this uh, scripture. You know, when Moses, uh, serving God, he said to God, God, show me your glory. And show me your glorious presence. And you would think God would take him to the place and show him how he created the stars and call them out by name in the, with his mighty power. But he doesn't do that. And this is what in, in Exodus 34 it says. Then the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with Moses. And he called out his own name, Yahweh. The one we were singing about this morning. The Lord passed in front of Moses calling out. And this is his glory he was showing. Yahweh the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to the thousands generation. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin. This is the true identity of God. This is the one who calls you to walk with you, to follow you, asking you to follow him. You know why? Because he is good. Even no matter what it looks like right now in your life right now, he is good. Even your pain, you could offer it to him because he could redeem it. He has done it for me in my life. He has taken my pain and redeemed it. He could do that for you. This is the glory, God's glory, the true identity.
And this is why Jesus came. You could uh, close in a song.